Welcome, travelers of the multiverse, as Fantastic Geek chronicles What If on Disney+. Plus. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the zombie apocalypse escaper variant of Pete. Hello, zombie apocalypse escaper Pete. Don't eat me. Don't eat me. Don't eat. The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek for What If Episode 105. What If Zombies is brought to you by American Reality Shows. That was a solid burn on all of us. Pete, we look to other areas of the Marvel Cinematic Universe here, uh, talking about the strength of Shang-Chi and the legend of the Ten Rings at the box office, uh, having a $75 million opening weekend, currently up to hundred, almost $110 million domestically, another 56 uh, internationally. So obviously these are muted numbers in the normal times, but normal times increasingly in the rearview mirror. And um, it has given Disney new uh, confidence to do theatrical only releases for the rest of the year. It's given other studios confidence to move stuff around back into the fall or, or to stronger fall spots and so forth. So that is the state of that. So it's just... 50 million dollars and it'll close that gap this weekend behind a quiet place Two for the third spot domestically for the year black widow of course having the top spot with 182 million dollars domestically to this point that comes out on blu-ray this week so you know you can only imagine they're not going to add very much to it uh and yeah it's kind of reaffirmed this model my only concern you know you look at the numbers in various places and they're going up and up and up and up in new jersey in the past couple of days there's been nearly seven thousand cases where we are so uh you know we have held off because uh obviously it's not available to us both at this point um and we're we're certainly going to review it but right now in our area uh, not the wise thing to do. I'll just add, Pete, the slightest asterisk in Disney's triumphant plans for everything to be theatrical only for the rest of the year. And, you know, the CEO of AMC Theaters, you know, so appreciative. Uh, the asterisk being uh, that Walt Disney Animation Studios and Canto, though it's going to maintain its November 24th uh, theatrical release, that's going to be a 30-day exclusive window. And Disney was quick to point out Disney Plus customers will get the present of Encanto this holiday season. So I think, you know, even in their affirmation of the theatrical experience and whatnot, I mean, look, could they turn around and sit and go, and 15 days after Eternals comes out in theaters, you know, we're making a switch. There's that possibility. Um, I guess at the end of the day, they're doing what's best for them as as a business. I just don't know why you're not maximizing with both. Clearly, they're trying to drive people to theaters. All right. You've got the partnerships, obviously, with the various uh, theater chains. But, you know, again, Exhibit A for me is Black Widow nearly equaled its theatrical take on Disney Plus that first weekend. Okay. You got $80 million in the theater. You got 60 million at home Um, for Chung Chi to do 75 million dollars, you know, Labor Day weekend. And that was a record for that weekend, even with the current restrictions. And then you consider that they could have added, I don't know. Let's use 60 million as as the benchmark. Maybe they'd be a little bit behind it. That's that's money to me left on the table. Um, so I don't know where the bean counters are on this. Uh, obviously, this is made more complicated by the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. Yeah, and I think it, an interesting or first of all, insider Hollywood people feel that her lawsuit was never intended to go to court. It always was about 
the lawyers fencing and at a certain point there's a private settlement uh probably with a non-disclosure and everybody suddenly says how much they love each other and things are great and oh by the way now scarlet's real excited to be starring in this new you know uh searchlight or uh 20th century movie or whatever it might be okay fine um however in the interim the strength of one could argue that the strength of shang chi at the box office proves her point that the theatrical um the theatrical situation was there two months earlier for black widow so i i guess pete it's as is, is probably always the case it's a good time to be a hollywood lawyer <laughs> when isn't it well pete from lawyers let's now look at a what if episode about uh the mindless uh, zombie horde when we catch you up on what went down the hulk hurdles through the stars back to earth to warn of the pending assault by thanos but is greeted by an empty sanctum santorum Borrowing clothing, Bruce Banner wonders if he has arrived too late before Ebony Maw and Cull Obsidian come looking for Infinity Stones, and Banner is again unable to transform back into the big guy. Suddenly a portal opens, and Iron Man blasts the Maw. Tony Stark, Stephen Strange, and Wong step through another portal and chew up the children of Thanos who rise soon after. Strange's cloak of levitation swoops in to rescue Banner, beheading Wong. As the Maw uses magic to hold Banner, Hope Van Dyne and Aunt Tony arrive to save him, vanquishing his attackers. Peter Parker swings in to whisk Banner away. The Watcher explains two weeks earlier, Hank Pym journeyed to the quantum realm to rescue his missing wife, Janet Van Dyne, but she had contracted a virus that corrupted her brain. She attacked him, and he returned to his daughter in Scott Lang in San Francisco, which was the epicenter of the zombie outbreak within a day. Steve Rogers led Natasha Romanoff, Clint Barton, T'Challa, and Stark but their heroism sealed the city's fate. Pym infected Rogers, and the Avengers were overrun. Parker's orientation video explains the rules to surviving the zombies. Helping him are Happy Hogan, resident weirdo Kurt, Bucky Barnes, the blonde Bond, Sharon Carter, and General Okoye of the Dora Milaje. She's there to find T'Challa, She's detected a beacon that claims another survivor camp from the subway cars. Uh, Peter Parker has suspended over the city, has made progress on a cure. But Barnes points out the beacon's location was corrupted in transit and they don't know where it came from. Carter is able to determine it's from Camp Lehigh in New Jersey, SHIELD's first base of operations. It could have the equipment to fabricate a cure, and they leave at sundown. Hogan hates on Jersey. Hogan shifts the survivors to Grand Central Station. Okoye sends Van Dyne, Banner, Parker, and Kurt to Track 7 to hotwire a train while the rest guard the perimeter. Hogan is taken and turned, and Barton puts an arrow in Carter's shoulder as Sam Wilson attacks and Okoye takes him for a ride. Carter turns Stark's repulsor gauntlet on Hogan and blams him into oblivion. Wilson bears down on Bucky before Okoye cuts him in half. Bucky should be sad, but he's not. Carter takes Stark's repulsor gauntlet and escapes Barton as Parker pulls the train, the cloak bails him out. The survivors pile aboard and escape. They should have stayed together. As they emerge from the tunnel, Carter hears a creak and Rogers arrive, drawing Bucky, who uses the shield to show him to the end of the line. And Van Dyne gets covered in Carter. But Van Dyne has a scratch through her suit. Parker points out 
that anybody who's ever seen a zombie movie knows hope is the key to survival. She marvels at his ability to stay upbeat faced with so much loss, but he's had a lot of practice starting with his parents and Uncle Ben. Kurt reports the train has run out of fuel before they've reached Camp Lehigh, but there's a horde standing in their way. As the train is attacked, Van Dyne enlarges herself to carry the remaining survivors over the fence in her hands, sacrificing herself. Bucky wonders why the zombies aren't climbing the fence or even heading through a hole in it. Kurt says the witch, Baba Yaga, known to lurk in the shadows of sacred burial grounds, nears. Vision is at Camp Lehigh, and the Mind Stone emits a subfrequency that keeps the zombies at bay. He's been experimenting to see if targeted exposure could reverse the effects of the virus. He managed to save Lang's head. So in theory, they can save the rest if they can access a satellite network to broadcast the Mind Stone's frequency worldwide. But Vision points out that technology is currently beyond human capability. Okoye explains it's not in Wakanda where its force field uh, made the last sanctuary on Earth. Bucky goes to find transport, but Vision tells him he won't. Banner discovers the security logs um, point to Vision's signal. Bucky finds a zombified Wanda and a one-legged T'Challa who tells him they have to run from Vision's trap. He explains Vision abducted him in San Francisco and brought him there to feed Wanda, whom he married. Vision tried to treat her, but her powers have resisted. He can't bring himself to eliminate her. As Okoye goes to put Vision down, Wanda wakes and hasn't eaten in days. Kurt is taken out. The cloak saves Lang's head, and Okoye sacrifices herself for her king. Vision levels the compound and directs Banner, Parker, Bucky, Lang, and T'Challa to a quad jet in a nearby hangar. Vision pulls the Mind Stone from his head, since he can't bear to leave Wanda and the zombies close in. Banner picks it up as Wanda emerges. Bucky buys them time as Wanda discovers Vision's body. As Banner opens up the hangar, the Hulk prevents him from being bitten. He gives the Mind Stone to Parker so he can avenge them. Banner charges into the horde, and the Hulk keeps Wanda busy as the quad jet leaves. A zombified Van Dyne grabs it, but they're able to slip her grip. 20 minutes from Wakanda, Parker reveals he turned Stark down a year ago when asked to join the Avengers, and now they're all gone. T'Challa tells him, in his culture, death is not the end as long as we remember them. And Lang is still an Avenger, so Parker hasn't lost everyone. The Watcher explains that even in the darkest times, humans will give their all to save their planet, even if it might bring an end to the universe, as zombie Thanos awaits in Wakanda, missing only the Mind Stone. With that alert for the divergence, we'll talk about what has changed and should we keep the changes. Pete, I had asked last week uh, if, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart uh, was the saddest uh, MCU story. But this week is perhaps the most hopeless uh, and affecting story, certainly a very powerful story, a well-done story, just the opposite of positivity. Is there any hope left in this timeline? I think there is, and it's going to be interesting. Again, do they revisit uh, these fractures? Um, do you go back to Strange Supreme in 
whatever realm he's been imprisoned to, does he somehow break out? Do we have our survivors arrive in Wakanda and battle Thanos? Um, you know, what are the absolute points? And you mentioned hopeless. I'll, I'll disagree only because of the amount of humor uh, in this episode. Um, and then when you consider we're five episodes deep, more than halfway through now, through a nine episode first season, the number of times that Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne have loomed large in a story. So we talk about absolute points. It would seem that they're really centered around the two of them. Yeah, and I love um, I love that Hank Pym is, again, a turning point here. And, again, I kind of, uh, I was going to say Marvel. That's too punny upon Dom. Uh, I, I find myself, again, reminded, um, as we had said, um, I think two episodes ago, Obviously, the Hank Pym character chronologically in the MCU has been around all this time, and we've seen some of these flashbacks. But the viewing experience, watching these movies in chronological order, you don't get Hank Pym until the Ant-Man movie. So in my brain, there still is a little bit of like, Hank Pym doesn't show up until Ant-Man. Uh, he, even though I know in the world of the MCU, he was you know secret missions and hidden from view and all that. Uh, so to again use him, it's like, it's playing off of my memory and I suspect the memory of many people um, that he's not around at these earlier points. So to, to use him, it's kind of unexpected because you don't sit and go, well, in 2008 uh, there was Tony Stark and uh, the, the drive and then the attack and then the body, like though Hank Pym doesn't quite fit into the, the, the experienced chronology. Uh, and I think they're using that to play against it in, in a really powerful way taking a tail and adding zombies certainly nothing new and then you look at the the biggest divergence in tales like that is typically all right do your zombies run or do they shamble uh and that had been in the past the the greatest uh difference the idea of zombies using the abilities of these superpowered characters and then when you bring in the children of thanos now we're zombifying aliens um yes this is uh something that they've done in the comics there's a run actually uh in marvel with um kirkman robert kirkman from uh you know the walking dead where you know peter parker is is carrying the the zombified body of uh mary jane and and they did all that but you know to set up a virus that uh you know ambulates the body after death but that they know to use the powers and or tech is an interesting way to go and i feel like i feel like it was that that whole notion was maybe somewhat unevenly presented um, because we see with uh, Iron Man and Doctor Strange this kind of higher level of mental dexterity. I feel like we don't get that in general. I mean, yes, we have kind of evidence of some sort of, um, you know, brain activity and whatnot, let's say from Happy Hogan a little bit later in the episode. I'm certainly not complaining overall. I, I really, really felt like I felt like this episode walked the line perfectly between um, using those moments of humor for a little uplift and and things like that and still kind of keeping it recognizingly MCU, but just keeping it drenched in a sense of, you know, that walking dead mindset of, I'll say paranoia, but that's only paranoia because we're not living it, like just the ever-present threat and it's only getting worse and you think you've won the day today, but it's going to get worse again tomorrow and so forth. I think that it's just captured that zombie aesthetic really, really well, even if I'm not completely clear how zombified one gets. I can buy it in what they put in the story that Lang, uh, that the damage was undone, that his body was too far gone, that they were able to reverse it and save his head. So for me, it works there. Apart from, you know, what uh, 
Paul Rudd brings to the role, which come on, you, you got to make use of, of the humor there. Um, the quantum realm as the source of a virus was an interesting way to go. So obviously there, the, the fracture into the multiverse here. Yeah. I think that again, I, I keep being amazed at the construction of these episodes and they, I think it would be easy enough to be like, Oh, and all of a sudden now let's go to the, mcu but it's the land of the year 3000 because things advanced faster and now it's you know spider-man flies a spaceship okay that's an interesting story but the core is what if you ask one question what if one thing changed and this is a really sensible change it's really believable since we don't know the rules of the quantum realm i can't argue with the story idea that you're there for 30 years you know dot 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 because quantum realm science dot 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 now she's a zombie um it's as good an explanation as anything else uh, particularly if you're saying you know well, what started the zombie uh infection i mean again oh it's another plane of existence and one person went there one time and stayed 30 years that that's a great that's a great jumping off point and then to have pim use the vehicle to come back with the rules that they've set up that there's the ability to, all right, they're going to know how to manipulate machinery um, without some kind of line that, Oh, we set it to return on its own. And he got into it. It works within the story. It's interesting Matt, with the, um, the course of this tale and Disney plus with their live action shows, they undid both Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision. Uh, yes, while still retaining, at least when it came to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or pardon me, when it came to WandaVision, retaining kind of some of the emotionality, like the fact that Wanda and Vision are fated to be together, the fact that Vision will have this love for her and and the fact that she will um the fact that she will let's say diverge from the path of goodness and uh need his help kind of the the barest echo of a skeleton of a shadow from wandavision shows up in this episode uh, you know the same kind of character intent it's just all gone very very wrong because of this zombie apocalypse I mean, listen, you've got Bucky, you've got Sharon, you've got zombified Sam Wilson, okay? Uh, obviously, that story never takes place. We get a ton of great uh, reference to, you know, I should be sad, but I'm, I'm not in that Sam is killed. Um, and then Carter goes, of course. Um, but how about the... Um, the mention that um, Vision and Wanda were married. Yeah, it. Um, I mean, I again, if if one is going to really closely look at, you know, so just one thing changed, and it was Janet coming back. How did that impact the two of them? What getting married before Wanda was turned? Um, I think you could make an, a story argument for it, but I think it's another example of. It just happened. It happened because the script said so. It feels emotionally in line with what we know about the characters, which courtesy of WandaVision, we obviously have a much deeper appreciation for their love than uh, than just what was given us in the films. And I don't know, again, it just... This is, this is such an emotionally powerful episode. I think they could have gone for more zombie craziness i mean you look at some of the background here on on the writing of it and and the creation of this idea there was there was definitely bumpers put in for, for, for better or worse i guess it's not my place to say but definitely were there were bumpers put in in terms of you know what is an mcu disney plus zombie story gonna look like can't take it too far the one way can't take it too far the other way um 
I think that they 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 hit the emotion in this perfectly. Uh, even if, like, for example, fine, somebody was there, or everybody just naturally knew, like, oh man, we're not going to do what Walking Dead does, which is try and find, you know, try and one up ourselves with, you know, how many maggots you can get in a corpse that's been there, but the head is still moving and there's black ooze. Like, you pull it back to again, what's Disney Plus appropriate, um, but you keep the heart of it. Having Peter mention his parents and Uncle Ben in this episode as well. Yeah, I know. Um, I won't. I won't quite say much has been made of. I mean, it's been noted online. This is the first MCU mention of Uncle Ben. Okay, I mean that's a fun fact. You know, I mean that's kind of like saying, "Hey, we made a we made a movie about." Um, well, I don't know. We made we made a movie about uh, uh, the the Last Supper. Um, oh, it's the first time that. And then there's a certain point where it's the first time they mentioned that uh, Joseph was a carpenter. Okay, it's always there. Like I had no doubt in the MCU that there was Uncle Ben. And Uncle Ben died, and part of the Spider-Man baggage is that the the story was told really great in the Toby trilogy okay maybe three not so good but you know the point is as has been oft noted before we've had all these spider-man movies before the latest spider-man movies so we don't need to keep killing uncle ben over and over dc take note vis-a-vis bruce wayne's parents we don't need to kill bruce wayne's parents in every movie that has batman in it um but certainly i mean i guess let me put it this way pete if anybody wasn't sure whether this peter parker lost uncle ben uh, now your minds are at ease. Uh, on rewatch, it was clarified for me what was keeping the zombies away. But initially, it felt like they were undoing their rules. So the Mind Stone uh, was was pushing them away. It was actually the Mind Stone incorporated into Vision because once he yanks it out, they charged them. So initially, I was like, all right, the Mind Stone... Thanos, he's going to get it, but it repels zombies. No, it doesn't. It's something about Vision that was able to do that. Uh, So they really smartly insulated that story. Yeah. And again, you know, this is this is a shorter, um, you know, shorter episode. I'm not shorter compared to the other ones. What I'm trying to say is this is not a lengthy movie. This is not a. uh, this is not a, a mini series, that sort of thing. Um, the mechanics. I, what I'm trying to say is, I think a lot of effort went into making sure that the interior parts of the story worked, even if there wasn't going to be, you know, the the vision map explaining scene where people say, "Look," and then he's emitting the whatever, and that's because he's activated special zombie whatever in his brain, and and here's like, you know, it 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 kind of so many elements of this story act seemingly of their own accord because all the things have been figured out and then we just see it you know it's like a watch we just see it clicking we don't see the little gears inside an interesting change is uh in this universe they have uh one fewer engine on their jets a quad jet rather than a quinjet um yeah and i don't i that had caught my eye and it's like i don't know if I mean, again, I don't want these episodes to be slavishly tied to, well, what if one thing changed? Okay, Janet coming back recently did not take away engine development from the last 50 years. Or You want to make stylistic changes? Go for it. Similarly, Pete, I know that in our reality, one cannot take a subway directly from Grand Central Terminal directly into New Jersey. Okay, this is also not our reality. This is... You know, this is based on the MCU, which can make changes like uh, not have what used to be the Pan Am building. I don't know what it's called now, but, you know, uh, right by Grand Central Terminal. Instead, it's Stark Tower and so forth. So, again, stylistic changes to benefit the story or to just remind us, hey, this is not the normal MCU reality that we're used to. Those those things are okay too changing Peter's story as well, uh, turning down Stark, uh, asking him to be an Avenger earlier than happened in the universe we're familiar with. Um, yeah, and I, I, 
I'll still revert to my stylistic answer, you know, that it's okay to change things in style. I mean, does that now become multiple what ifs? Again, we're here for the we're here for the the journey. We're here for the different timeline, um, not necessarily only looking at why there is the difference. And while we're on the topic of uh, of Peter Parker, big credit to uh, actor Hudson. Uh, I don't know whether he pronounces it Thames or Thames. Uh, I know in Britain it would be Thames. Um, although he's an American actor, but he's the one that does the voice of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. I think you would be hard-pressed to really identify moments of dialogue from this episode where you could say, that does not sound like Tom Holland's Peter Parker. It's a really great job. I know, for example, when we had Black Widow a couple episodes ago, okay, you know, it's 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 okay that uh, that Lake Bell sounds a little different. It's kind of a similar energy in the performance, but it sounds different. That's fine. Here, I mean, Hudson, Hudson Thames, great, great voice acting job. We were so lucky to get Chadwick Boseman for the second episode as the focus to have him return here and Matt to utter this line about death not being the end and the dead are with us as long as we don't forget them. I mean, my gosh. I think that it, it must have been uh, a, a sad burden on the people um, charged with getting this show to air, by which I mean, I don't, I don't mean the writer and the director and the animators and so forth, but what is the correct thing to do with a line like that after Chadwick Boseman has passed away? What's the correct order to release these episodes so that you can, um, so that you can celebrate him as a performer without taking a victory lap for sign up now use code chad uh to watch his latest performance you know i mean obviously there's a garish uh, i'm I'm overselling it but there's a one would want to avoid any sense of garishness here um i think that to to give us the t'challa star lord uh episode when we did um and, and to give him that full recognition that was appropriately timed. Um, it it feels like a it feels like a bittersweet but joyous bonus to get him here. The fact that there's dialogue that does let us reflect on the real world a bit too. I think that that's just whether you want to call it good luck, whether you want to call it a a a an unintended meta commentary towards the shared experience that we all have in life and the circle of life and death and so forth. So be it if it's adding this little extra bit of, um, I, I don't know, of touching our souls, so be it. Uh, I guess, Pete, we knew there would be more Chadwick Boseman um, voice acting uh, after that after that Chala Star-Lord uh, episode. Um, I guess it'll be a sad moment when we say, oh, we didn't know it, but the final last bit has now made its way into what if. Maybe that's this episode maybe it's a future one but um I, I guess to sum up i like that we're kind of we're able to fade out here as opposed to the um the hard stop the hard shock that we had a year ago when he when he passed away pete will check the messages from the multiverse to see what people said to us on twitter about this episode the uh, four choices were uh, one brain, my zombite, my rights, got 4.7%. Uh, next, two brains, mildly nourishing, also got 4.7%. Three brains, scary good, got uh, almost 42% of the vote. And then, Pete, what I would have chosen, four brains, a dark classic, got 48.8%, almost 49% of the vote there. Uh, in terms of Twitter comments, we heard from JT Atkins. That's uh, at JTA is me. First, T'Challa. Wow. So poignant in a mostly comic role. Then, um, could we have a Marvel's What If next week that doesn't end tragically? Uh, while I will admit to not being a zombie guy, this one was certainly more fun than last week for a while. Oh, snap. I need to go cheer up and go watch this week's Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, Pete, I will say we got a lighter than usual lower decks and a much darker than usual uh as usual as one can be after five episodes 
uh, of of what if. So I guess we're getting it we're getting it on both ends here. Next up, we heard from Noel Gardner. Pete, I hope our captain Noel Gardner is not zombie captain Noel Gardner. We'll judge by her words here. This was a dark episode, but fun dark. Peter's zombie video was hilarious. Okoye and Bucky were savage. I hope this cliffhanger ending gets picked up at some point. What happened to Bruce? Did Bucky land somewhere? Did they turn around uh, when they get to Wakanda? We need a part two. Pete, I think if nothing else we can say, Noel Gardner has not been gotten by the uh, the zombie virus. And as usual, we have full brain power from her. <laughs> Always. Uh, hopefully she's as impervious as Bruce Banner. Next, we heard from What Of It. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Great episode. I'm glad they went uh, the somewhat humorous route. I guess the what if is Janet got infected. Uh, and was the ending meant to suggest Thanos was waiting outside Wakanda for the last stone? Anyway, uh, a really fun episode. But Wanda, Vision and Wanda maybe shouldn't be a couple. Um, I had not stopped to think that... Uh, now we have two versions of them being a couple, and it's fairly disastrous both times. I mean, maybe that's the multiverse of madness motivation that, you know, there was only one end game where it ended well for the Avengers. Is there a universe where it ends well for Wanda and Vision? Uh, next, we heard from Jared Showerman. That's at the AV Seal, S-E-A-L. I almost voted for My Zombie, My Rights, because it made me laugh out loud. Uh, Pete, perhaps some social commentary in the poll here that <laughs> some people have a right to get bitten by zombies and not be told that uh, that, that they shouldn't, and they're going to, whatever, drink Clorox to stop the zombification. I don't know. Uh, we heard from Jackie Wolf. That's at Jackie Wolf. I can't tell if I didn't like this one because I don't like zombie content in general or if it was truly awful. I saw all the plot twists from a mile away. The only bright spot for me was the poignant Black Panther bit about death. Um, Pete, I will just say in response to Jackie's uh, comment there, I, I felt seeped in the sorrow of this episode not that it is overly sorrowful okay this is not the four minutes of the, the first four minutes of up turned into a 30 minute episode or something like that but i maybe this way it was this weird experience of i like those comic book movies where people go pew pew and win the day and it's characters i enjoy in a medium animation which is not you know a black and white World War II movie or something like that. It's not, you know, the beginning of uh, of um, Saving Private Ryan with, you know, injuries and so forth. I loved how terrible this episode made me feel. Like, it was just this, again, it's this medium that's normally upbeat, but I'm feeling not good as I watch it, and and I think that's what they were going for. I still tend to think it falls on the end of being bittersweet that, you know, there are survivors that hope sacrifice the, the number of characters that made it possible uh, for Peter and uh, Scott um, and T'Challa to be heading to Wakanda. T'Challa's still alive. Um, obviously, you can't continue this tale unless you have more Chadwick Boseman. We know they're not going to recast the role. Do you let it just be this, this thing? And in one universe, there was some hope and they headed towards Wakanda where maybe Thanos got that stone uh, to add to all the others where maybe he didn't. Can, can zombies snap? I guess is the question. Well, my take is this, and it, it, first of all, it's interesting. I find it interesting that there's some people who who didn't care for the episode, and if that's not your if it's not your flavor because you're not into the zombie genre, absolutely fine. Um, if the episode didn't work for you emotionally, I mean that's that's you know you feel how you feel. Um, I think for me, Pete, having felt um, emotionally down about the episode again totally loved it but we kind of you know feeling feeling pulled down emotionally um our heroes ride off into the sunset to the last bastion of hope in wakanda 
that's an uplift where you go, and here's here's my interpretation, and happy Marvel ending. Then you throw zombie Thanos in there. My take is, if we never do a sequel, my take is, no, it's just reinforcing there's no way out. Um, the fact that other people, yourself included, are saying, no, they're now going to go do the big battle. They're going to, the, the Avengers that are, will go battle the Thanos that is, and the outcome will be the same in terms of Thanos being defeated. Hope remains. I think it's speaking to a certain power, even though we're, you know, we're com- coming up with different interpretations here. It's speaking to the power of the story that we're seeing. We're seeing different reflections of ourselves, our thoughts, and so forth. Next up, back to the Twitter list here, we hear from Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Polo1983. This episode totally surprised me. A lot more humor than I was expecting with a zombie episode. The T'Challa speech about death hit me kind of hard, but I powered through. Great episode, though. Heard also from Jared Showerman, uh, again, uh, at the AV Seal. This was a solid episode, lots of humor. Futurama Scott Lang was a bit silly, and I felt like Vision uh, repenting on a dime was kind of forced. Is Thanos still snapping for population control, or maybe now he wants more brains to feed on? Second favorite (laughs) episode so far. Pete, you you laugh, and it's kind of it is a, a funny comment. I don't know that it is an incorrect option. You know what I mean? Like, not that no, not that Jared I, would give I us something it. incorrect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, could that be what the gauntlet could do? Yeah, yeah. you know, and 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 that's just as scary, and it's even, it's almost more scary and terrible, and, and so forth. Uh, we heard from System Casper. That's at Casper System. I hate this zombie crap. TV and streaming is full of it. It's so generic. Now Marvel 2, why? Pete, your thoughts. Okay, so yes, there is a great overwhelming amount of zombie content, you know, and and then you have the zombification of classics, you know, your your pride and prejudice and zombies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, this went from fringe horror in the sixties, uh, to, to now mainstream. I mean, arguably the walking dead, um, has, uh, has decreased in popularity, despite the fact that their universe is, is bigger than ever. And I mentioned before Kirkman's involvement with the, uh, the zombie story for Marvel. Um, but there is no pun intended a hunger for this type of content. This is a legitimate subgenre. Uh, and to do it here, you know, people shuddered, Oh, Captain America is a zombie. Um, you know, I, I don't think they were irreverent, disrespectful, uh, considering the, the subgenre. Um, and a lot of people really enjoyed this one. So I get it certainly in, entitled to your opinion. There, there are people that don't, again, no uh, pun intended, partake of the zombie genre and that you do a Marvel zombie story. OK, um, but these conceived as more of a, a one off. I think it works. Pete, next up. The the wonderful thoughts here of Spider Ham Lincoln. That's at Tess LC one three nine, and here's what, thankfully, the unzombified Spider Ham Lincoln has to say. Well, we just got another outstanding ep of What If, with my only beef being there wasn't a different choice made by someone that led to this zombie apocalypse. Everything was the same until Janet got infected by a quantum virus. The aftermath, however, was so awesome, and this story is definitely ripe for a sequel. Of special note, Strange's cloak saves Bruce, that ragtag band of surviving heroes. Happy's repulsor glove. Bucky to zombies cap halves. Sorry, pal, I guess this is the end of the line. Hope covered in Sharon. Hope's giant sacrifice. Scott's head with the strange cloak, which was a great bit. Uh, Futurama uh, Riffic. Black Panther lives. The Vision slash Wanda twist was epic. Zombie Thanos with a gauntlet. I skipped the intro so the actors' names wouldn't spoil me. Spider-Man's voice sounded exactly like Tom Holland. Uh, Pete, Spider-Ham Lincoln proposing something interesting here uh, for me as somebody who is spoiler-free. Do I skip 
there have been episodes where I skip the credits just because I get it. My mind, space, blah, blah, blah. We ask mm-hmm. what if the whole, it, you know, it's a lovely animated intro. I don't need to see it every time. Do I now intentionally skip so I can't say, oh my goodness, uh, whatever. Uh, uh, I know for sure that uh, Haley Atwell is in the, the episode I'm about to watch. That is it going to be, this is like, do, do I keep my eyes naked from it, Pete? You can, you can decide for me, Pete, as spoiler Pete. Do I watch the credits because of Spider-Ham Lincoln's wise words uh, or not? I think my attachment to the character is directly linked to who's voicing it. Um, to know that somebody from the film side is, is doing it. That to me is a, a level of attention to detail that I can't get past. But then I've been really impressed by the people they've had pinch hit for Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Here for Tom Holland um, you know, the whole thing with Dave Bautista not being asked to be Drax is an interesting test case. Did they not want to go to him because it was, hey, we're going to have him take a selfie and he's alive and it's it's two lines. Do you even want to do it? We know you're doing this Zack Snyder movie and, you know, you've got other stuff going on. Um, or was it like we don't want to pay Bautista uh, to do this so just get somebody who sounds like him as i've said before i give dave bautista all the credit in the world for seeing in himself the potential to be um a different kind of actor than i think he has the potential for and here i am sitting at home here he is trying to make his way in the world of hollywood go for it that's wonderful that's beautiful i know that in the last month or so I think it was like a random person had tweeted at him or, or or maybe it was asked in an interview, but it was like this softball thing of, oh man, Dave, can you imagine if The Rock, John Cena, and you were all in a movie? And his response was basically like, I'll always love my WWE fan, but that's completely behind me. And it was like, oh, I'm sorry, Dave Batista, that you're, you're too much to do a movie with The Rock and with John Cena because... I like the last John Cena movie I saw. I like the last Rock movie I saw. I like the last Dave Bautista movie I saw. I'm sorry that the three of you can't get together because you're too good. Because you're doing Dune. By the way, Pete, this episode of What If. Also, uh, the character of Kurt, voiced by David David Dalsmachian, who's also in Dune. Who made mm-hmm. the time to be in this? Who's also made the time to do a Zack Snyder movie and not say, sorry, Zack, thank you for pulling me out of the world of a lower level kind of performing, quote unquote, lower level and pulling me up a little bit more. Uh, but now I have to go do a zombie movie for Netflix. No, no, David Dalsmachian is beloved. I think in part because he's, he's, he's never too big to do, whether it's polka dot man or this animated thing and, 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 and on and on and on. So, Again, I might sound a little sour toward uh, Dave Bautista. Go make the career you want. Absolutely. Go, you know, Dave Bautista has made enough money where if the next thing is is a fizzle, he can take a little time off and come back and do something else. But along the way, go, can you make a movie with The Rock and John Cena? Because I'll be there opening weekend. And to get the character of Kurt in this, of all the choices of, of characters to include, I mean, hopefully they get Luis at some point or maybe you have him just describe all the the what if timelines. Um, But uh, to get Kurt and to have the Baba Yaga thing and do that, uh, that was inspired. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was a fantastic use of the character because you do have this world where it's not just. It's not just scary things are out there, and this is a character. You know, I mean, Kurt is a is a lower tier character meant to come in for some chucks, but uh, chuckles, not chucks. Um, but the fact that it's been concern about not just a scary thing in the dark, but a witch. Wait, we have a witch, the Scarlet Witch. It's just it's an inspired pairing there. 
Two last tweets here, Pete. First one from uh, at BikeBRH on Twitter. I'm not a zombie movie fan, but I was entertained. Still the weakest episode, though. As a zombie show, two stars is better than I expected to give it. And uh, last tweet here from Jamie Chapman. That's at Chapman underscore Histo. Uh, I loved Robert Kirkman's Marvel Zombies, so I really enjoyed this episode, too. Obviously, Marvel Zombies was much darker. So I think, Pete, if nothing else, proof that uh, you can get a variety of different flavors here on What If on Disney Plus while while not going as dark as uh, that Kirkman run for Marvel Zombies. Pete, is that something you have read? I have not read that, but I'm definitely going to check it out. And certainly, Pete, this episode, uh, along with every episode that we do, made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. You place the price on our content here. Uh, it takes just a dollar to get you behind that door. All sorts of exclusives and other things. So get yourself over to Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH today. So proud, as always, to be listener-supported. And certainly, Pete, looking forward to keeping the What If conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-12,035. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P and the H, all one word, like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back tomorrow to talk Lower Decks 205. If you're here just for the Marvel goodness, back next week for whatever the adventure is next week for what if 106 with that pete i will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word anyone got any clothes <laughs>